Is that better? All right, good, good. Uh, so welcome to Reach Church. Um, the hope is that this name would be a constant reminder of our mission and a constant reminder of what God has done for us, that God has reached down to us in Christ and that we are therefore called to, to reach out to one another, to build relationship with people in this community, and also that we are to, to reach out to those who do not yet know Christ. That is our goal. And towards that goal, we have a new website. So that, that's where this, this flying box is coming from. Uh, <laughs> so this is uh, reachchurch.online. So instead of the .com, it's a .online. Um, should be fully, fully functional. And just want to walk you through some of the basics of, um, of the new website. Uh, so the main, the main feature you're probably going to care about the most is, is the menu tab. So just, uh, that's where you're going to launch into, into the website. So if you're looking for, for what nothing but Jesus actually means and what it looks like, that's all there. Um, but other than that, uh, the next step portion, that's going to be ways that people who are already involved in the church are going to get more involved. This is ways to get involved in reach groups, in the ministries of reach in uh, serving in a kind of actually using your gifts to reach out to people. So we can go ahead and click that, the, the volunteering case. <laughs> uh, so here's Sandy, our new volunteer, or, uh, our director of outreach and community and everything else. She's a uh, Woman, a jack of all trades, a Jane of all trades. And this is going to be your, your new favorite page. Uh, kind of the vision of Reach is that we would mobilize and be uh, equipped to go out into the community. And so this is going to be kind of your main hub where you can volunteer for things like guest connections. So getting involved with new people or setting people up to... Um, to get into community so that people aren't on the outskirts but actually feel like part of this family. Um, other than that, uh, there's a lot of resources. There is um, our Fairhill page. So if you want to look at awkward photos of you guys and, uh, <laughs> and never go back there, you can go. <laughs> That's how I feel, at least. So uh, <laughs> uh, second, second one. Or go to Reach Christian Schools. <laughs> that works too. I really can't see it. Come down. Uh, it'll be right here. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. So there's the video we're not going to watch. <laughs> And uh, there's a video of you guys all on the top, um, so that's exciting. So you can see if you're see if you're up there. There's Greg. Look, oh, being welcoming, and all of us there. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, new website, a lot more functional, um, and hopefully mobilizing us to to do more outreach. So, <laughs> this is terribly exciting. I realize. Um, so check out the new website. Um, there's lots of resources on there. So. There's that handsome guy. Look at him. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so, Reach Church. Uh, the hope is that, that things actually, uh, that we 
grow into this vision. So things aren't done yet. Um, and we need, we need lots of volunteers that you guys would um, kind of own Reach Church as your church and would um, participate in it. There's, uh, there's going to be a bunch of teams that we're creating. And so we'll be sharing about those. So think about how you want to be involved and how you can use your gifts, how you can reach out. Sounds good? All right. Uh, and with that, uh, let's, let's jump into prayer. Father, um, we thank you for the, the call to reach out to the world. And as we start this new series, Father, um, on friendship and on relationships, I ask that you would bless us. You would use your word and you'd, you'd work by the Spirit to teach us how to be friends who can um, engage the world and can be a light. Father, we ask that, that all things would, um, would reflect the fact that you've already reached us and that we are, we are reaching others. So would you use the preaching of your word to um, empower and bless your people. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So uh, this is a week of first. So this is also our first week in our series, Everybody Needs a Friend. Everybody Needs a Friend. And this is going to be a, a longer series where we look at different relationships in the Bible and how we can uh, learn how to be a, a Christ-like friend to one another and also learn about uh, how Christ has befriended us. So today we're going to focus on the how Christ has befriended us part. We're going to talk about what a friend is. We're going to define that uh, according to biblical categories. We're going to talk about how Christ has befriended us and then how we are then called to love our friends as Christ has loved us as friends. All right? So uh, let's jump right into it. Let's jump into John 15. John 15. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 17. John 15, verses 12 through 17. John 15, verses 12 through 17. Read with me. This is the words of Jesus Christ. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. So we're walking through this passage, uh, talking about what friendship is, uh, how Christ actually befriends us, and then how we can then use that as our model, as our basis for, for being friends to others. All right? So first off, we're going to talk about what friendship actually is. Uh, it may seem like an, an obvious question, but, or an obvious uh, explanation. You guys feel like you know what friends are, but we have to distinguish it um, and make sure that we're all on the same page as to what a friendship actually is. Uh, C.S. Lewis is especially helpful here, so we'll use uh, a lot of his, uh, his thoughts about it. Uh, an awesome Christian thinker. So, first of all, 
we want to see that friendship is a type of love. It is a love. Um, it's not just a, a secondary relationship. It is a love relationship. Now, in our culture, we don't tend to talk about friendship along those terms. Um, we tend to limit love to romantic relationships. That is the highest love. That is the most elevated love. Our culture loves that one the most. And so your friends, your friends are kind of, uh, I don't know, a holdout. Like they're, they're to get you through the, the single period. And then you jump into uh, the love of your life and you get lost in that. And our culture uh, always moves towards that. In every movie, there has to be a love story, even if it doesn't make any sense. They love that relationship. And that is how they define, um, in most cases, love. That that's the pinnacle romantic love. Now, a second love would be the love uh, of affection, parental love. Kind of epitomized in the love between a, a mother and her child. Now, we kind of get that one because, okay, like, if romantic love is necessary, is necessary for us all to have been born, or begotten in some sense, uh, this affectionate parental love, it's all necessary for us to be reared, for us not to destroy our little ones, that we love them too much to do that, even as they annoy us. But there's something weird about this friendship love because it's not natural in a sense. It's not necessary. And we could go through life without it. That people would survive, they'd be born, they'd be reared, and they could go through life. And so our culture can sometimes say that, well, okay, like, friendship is, is a nice addition, but it's, it's secondary. It's a second tier of love and of relationships. Um, and C.S. Lewis reflecting that, he has this quote, friendship is unnecessary. Like philosophy, like art, it has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things which gives value to survival. It gives value to survival. So it's, it's this beautiful thing that God has put into creation that, that maybe isn't necessary, but it gives it worth and it gives it beauty, gives it purpose. And that's where the Christian life actually upholds friendship in a way that, that might seem odd. That whereas it seems like this unnecessary relationship, the Bible never skirts it. It never insults it. It never puts it on the back burner. That it's actually uh, lifted up as this, this beautiful thing that kind of transcends uh, the necessary and the natural. It is a, an especially spiritual kind of love between two people who would have no need for each other but enjoy each other immensely. And so that's where we start. We start with this friendship being a love relationship that reflects the love of God uh, in every sense, that it is not a secondary uh, or tertiary kind of love. All right, but saying that, how is it different? How is it different than all these other loves? All right, let's take romantic love. Romantic love is two lovers staring at each other. They're staring at each other. They're like gazing into each other's souls. Oh, the, whole, the whole world melts away and it's just them two connecting on this deep spiritual level. 
Uh, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a, I worship you, you worship me kind of relationship. That's what romantic love, uh, just, that's how it works. It's two people gazing at each other. All right, let's take parental love. Parental love is, is the parent looking down, the child looking up. It's, uh, the parent is giving and giving and giving. The child is just receiving and receiving and receiving. But it's still a transaction between these two people. Now, what is friendship and how is it different? Friendship is not two people staring at each other. As C.S. Lewis calls it, it's two people standing side by side looking at a third thing. They're looking at this thing that they love together. They're looking at something that they value. They're looking at something that they want to pursue. They're on mission together. And they've kind of rallied together and said, oh, like, you love this thing. I love this thing too. Or I'm going, I'm going here. Do you want to walk with me? It's a side-by-side -side relationship where you're pursuing something together. And it can be anything. Because something kind of inane, like, oh, yeah, I just, I just love baseball. Let's, let's watch baseball together. Or let's try to be successful at work together. Let's, let's try to raise children. Uh, or it can be things like, let's start a revolution. Let's, let's change the world. Let's, uh, let's pursue something that we love and value. That's what friendship is. And that's why if... This is a hard truth, but if you're trying to pursue friendship in and of itself, you're going to fail. Because you're coming to someone and you're saying like, let's just be friends. Let's be friends. And you're staring at the person and they're, they're staring at something else. And you have nothing to join with them in. You have no mission. And you end up falling flat and you're asking like, why, why can't I find any friends? It's because... You're not pursuing anything. You don't love anything. There's nothing for you to share. Missing what friendship actually is. It's not about two people staring at each other. It's two people kind of walking the same path. And where does that friendship then take us? I'd say that it, uh, and C.S. Lewis says this really, really helpful. It's a radicalizing force. A radicalizing force. So you have these two people staring at this thing and their love for it grows. Their intensity grows. That as they talk about this thing, they realize how much, how much they like it. How they want to pursue it more. They push each other to, to dive in deeper. So there's two fishermen, and they're, they're trying to find the perfect bait. They're trying to catch the biggest fish. And they're, and they're, they're together in that. They're on a mission. They want to, they want to pursue things together. And that radicalizing force can be positive or negative. We have the, the scripture that iron sharpens iron. That's not inherently positive. That iron could sharpen iron. It depends on what the knife is being used for. Right? If that sword is then used to cut people down and stab them in the back and, and be bitter and cutting, then yeah, iron is going to sharpen iron. But if it's something like cutting out sin and defeating Satan, like, yeah, then iron can strike an iron in a different sense. But no matter what the friendship, whatever you guys are, are looking at, 
and valuing and pursuing together, you're going to intensify your love and your worship of that. All right. So that is friendship. That is friendship. You see this in, I, I, love, I love walking through the mall and you see a group of friends and they're like three or four kids all dressed exactly the same. All right, that, what is that? That is a radicalizing force that all these kids, they, they're pursuing coolness together. Like, let's, let's pursue fashion together. And they end up deciding like, okay, like these are the best shoes. Like anyone who doesn't wear these shoes like isn't cool. Anyone who doesn't wear their hat like this, like, oh, that, that's cool. And then they, they, they become this little entourage and they're, they've radicalized coolness and here they are looking like goobers. Like, you know, <laughs> the like red, green, and blue version of each other all walking together. That's, that's friendship. That's what it does. And it can make you kind of silly. It can make you wicked that you can pursue evil together. It can make you uh, extremely holy. And so there is this, this beauty to friendship, but there's also this, uh, this danger in it. That whatever you focus on, like, make sure you're focused on the right thing. Because that thing's going to intensify and pick up the pace, and, uh, and it's going to start moving fast. All right. So friendship is a radicalizing love relationship where you're pursuing, like, a common love or a common mission. Common love, common mission, radicalizing love. Cool? All right. All right. Uh, now, we didn't just make that up. That's all actually uh, found in Scripture as Jesus talks about his friendship with us. And that's where, surprisingly, Jesus in this passage talks about how he is our friend. He is our friend. And starting at verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So Jesus Christ has loved us. That's his past tense before he asked them to do this commandment. He has loved them. And when he wants to describe this love, he describes the love as friendship in verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Now, we have to recognize that this is remarkable just in and of itself that Jesus would be our friend. Because friends, uh, it's not the typical relationship we talk about Jesus. It's, it's not a, a top-down relationship or us looking up at Jesus. It's not necessarily one of lordship. This is a side-by-side -side relationship with Jesus. And that kind of makes it uncomfortable. Like, how, how can I claim to be kind of on the same plane with Jesus? That I'm pursuing things with him. I'm not actually pursuing him directly. There's an oddity to this. But we, we follow scripture and we say, that's, that's one of the relationships that, that we have with Jesus Christ. That we are side by side with him. Pursuing the things that he loves as we pursue the things that we love. Now, that's pretty cool. And it's not just any old friendship relationship. This is, this is the best one. That he lays out the kind of the spectrum of friendship. Like, all right, there's, there's some friendships where no one sacrifices. It's, it's not that powerful. You know what? But I'm giving you the best one. 
There's no great, greater friendship relationship than where a friend lays his life down for his friend. That is the kind of friend that Jesus is. And as we realize that, we have to ask, well, why did Jesus die for us as his friends? Why did Jesus die for us? It seems weird because we wouldn't, we wouldn't think about that as friends dying for friends. We think of, of a lover dying for a lover or a parent dying for a child, but, but a friend. And I think that, that shows kind of the way that we kind of undermine friendship a little bit. That it's not as important that we'd, we'd think it almost a waste for someone to die for a friend. But Jesus does it. Jesus dies for his friends. And he, I think he dies for, for two main reasons, which makes a lot of sense considering what friendship is. First, he dies so that we might share in his loves. So friendship is pursuing this thing that we love and we value. Jesus dies so that we might pursue that thing that he loves with him. Because what does Jesus love? Jesus loves the Father. He loves glorifying the God, uh, God his Father. He loves obedience. He loves holiness. And we have to realize that we don't actually love those things. We don't. We don't love those things. We're not excited about those things. Those things aren't fun to us. Oftentimes we love sin. Or we love ourselves. Or, or we love the pursuit of death. Oddly enough. And that's where Jesus, if he's going to be our friend, he has to change what we love. And so he dies for us. He dies to change our hearts. That we would not be all about ourselves or all about sin. That we would be in love with glorifying God. And, and loving obedience even. He has to die and resurrect us from the dead so that we can love those things. So that he can love those things with us. Now for some of you that sounds like... Uh, that sounds like Jesus is the most boring friend ever. Right? He calls you up Friday night and like, hey, want to pursue obedience with me? Like, <laughs> no, thanks. Uh, I'm busy, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Is he the worst friend ever? Like, is that the... I think that that's how most of us think about it. That's how I, I think about it most of the time. But I think we miss the fact that, that for Jesus, obedience is, is synonymous with joy. It's synonymous with like actually enjoying things as they were created to be enjoyed and like as they're going to be the best. So if you look at verse 11, just, just before what we read, what does it say? These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus isn't the killjoy friend. He's actually like, okay, I, I know better than you and I know how to pursue joy. Have you ever met a friend who like, who loves something that you love and, and loves it more, that enjoys it more? We like go to a restaurant and they like, they love food. And they take you to this restaurant and like, they're sharing their joy with you. Casey's dad is like this. He like, he goes to a restaurant and he just starts ordering and you're like, oh, <laughs> so much food. And it's so fun. He's like sharing his joy and, and that's what Jesus, that's what Jesus is. 
Jesus actually enjoys the things that we like far more than we do. He created them. He is the source of all of these things that we enjoy. And he knows how to use them uh, to the fullest extent that we might get the fullest of joy out of them. Now, oddly enough, the way to do that is with, by obedience. That we would enjoy life by obedience. That we would enjoy worshiping God. He reveals that that is actually the greatest source of joy in the universe. And so Jesus, he's not a killjoy. He's actually like on a whole other plane of joy. And inviting us to, to join him in that. To pursue the things that he loves and that God loves. To pursue obedience even. He had to die to do that. He had to die to do that. And that's right. He says, that's where he says in verse 14, uh, you are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends if, I do, if you do what I command you. What does that mean? It could mean, it could mean, you know, if, if you're really good, I'm going to choose you as my friend. Now that's heresy and that's not what he's saying. Right? That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, the other type of condition is, if you obey my commandments, you like prove yourself to already have been my friend. You're acting like my friend. It's that obedience proves that actually your heart has been changed. And that you love the things that Jesus loves. That you already are a friend. That he has chosen you. That he has already chosen you. And that's where, that's where we have to ask ourselves, do you love what Jesus loves? Do you love what Jesus loves? Do you enjoy pursuing what Jesus loves? When Jesus says, hey, hey, do you want to hang out and do this? Like, are we, are we excited or are we not? Uh, that's, that's convicting because we have to recognize that, that we aren't naturally friends with Jesus. That though he bids us to come and rejoice in life with him and rejoice in, in worship, that it's, it's too much for us and we, we settle for much less. I would call us back to say that be friends with Jesus. Pursue the things that he loves that you may be joyful, that you may enjoy Jesus, that you may enjoy the worship of God with him. He dies so that we can have that with him. All right, so he, he, he dies so that we might have this common love. He also dies that we might share in a common mission. We might share in a common mission. Because the problem is that dead people, dead people dead in their sin, they don't go on mission. They don't have any missions. They just lay there dead. And so if Jesus is on this mission to, to glorify God and save the world, he's going to have to raise you from the dead and change you. And so before anything, Jesus makes his mission to, to resurrect us, to die for us, resurrect us from the dead, and then invites us to be on mission with him. To be on mission. We see this in verse, six, uh, verse 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. 
that Jesus actually, he enters into our lives. He dies for us. He brings us into life. And, and calls us kind of equals in a sense. That we are not peons, that we are not pawns in the kingdom. That we are people side by side laboring for the mission of God. That we're with him on mission. That we're kind of adventurers together. Now that's actually, that's a pretty exciting thing. Because there's no way that you can get to be friends with, with Jesus without him doing that. So we talked in, uh, in Bible study, in uh, Sunday school, we talked about the, the creator-creature distinction. There's an infinite gap between those two things. And yet here is Jesus coming down and saying, you know what, at best you should probably be servants, but no, you get to be friends. And the joy of, of getting to, to be side by side with him, loving people, reaching people, worshiping God, is actually a, an amazing, beautiful thing. And I would challenge us, are you on mission with Jesus? I think sometimes we, we feel like we're, we're bored or we're purposeless or we're passionless. And we desire, like, Jesus, I, I want to feel closer to you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to I want to have the joy of this, this personal relationship. And in one sense, Jesus says, well, then, then come on. Let's go on mission together. Let's go side by side. Like, come hang out with me and do the things that I like to do. I think we think, well, oh, if I just like stare at Jesus. Like, no, just go, go hang out with Jesus. Go do what Jesus does. And you'll find that, that oddly enough, as you guys pursue the same thing, you, he's right there next to you. Is that the whole relationship with Jesus? No. There's also a looking at Jesus, but there's also a friendship. We are pursuing these things together. And there's actually a beauty and a purpose and a, an excitement in that. An excitement in that. Verse 16 kind of summarizes this whole relationship. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Jesus chose us to be his friends. He changed us. He shaped us so that we can love what he loves. Be on mission with him. And enjoy worshiping God and pursuing the kingdom together. We say that the, the name of this sermon series is Everyone Needs a Friend. Everyone needs Jesus as their friend. Everyone needs that. We need that. And as we receive that, we then recognize that, that everyone else needs it. Jesus as their friend as well. So we go on mission. We love the things that God loves. And we, we offer that friendship to people. That's, a, that's an amazing thing that we get to offer that. That there is any friendship to offer. And that takes, us, that takes us to our last and, uh, and final section. This friendship with Jesus is then a model for the rest of our friendships. That we don't get to stop and just say, oh, I just really love this friendship. Thanks, Jesus. He tells like, 
Now, verse 17, these things I command you so that you will love one another. The first verse talks about how, uh, as I have loved you, so love one another. We're called to embody this friendship and go out into the world and be a friend. And that's why when we say everyone needs a friend, we shouldn't first think, well, yeah, I need a friend. No, no, everyone else needs a friend. And if you, if you live waiting for everyone to be friends with you, uh, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> I, I, I need friends, and like, you all need to be better friends to me. No, it doesn't work like that. That's not how Jesus treated us. When Jesus heard, everyone needs a friend, and Jesus went out and befriended us. We are called to be a friend to those who need befriending. To love as Jesus loved. And that's not just to bless people, that's to be obedient. That Jesus says, like, if you're not a friend, you're, you're not able to do this. You can't love as I have loved and not be friends with people. So everyone needs a friend. You need a friend because you need to fulfill this commandment. You need to be obedient. And you need to love as Christ loved. So, uh, as Christ chose us, we need to go into the world and, and befriend. To, to treat people as friends even before they are friends. To love people first. To love people first. Next up, how do, we, how do we love as Jesus loved? How do we love as Jesus loved? We're to guide people towards these same loves and these same missions that Jesus did. So we make our friendships, actually, more and more about Jesus Christ, about glorifying God. That that is how we love our friends the best, is, is by pointing them towards the things that they're actually supposed to be pursuing. Okay, so... Hopefully the last very convicting question. Um, as you look at your current friendships, what, what are your shared loves? What are your shared loves? And this might take a while and you could like go back and, and journal about this, but what are your shared loves and, and what's your shared mission? And the, the hard thing is that we have to be really honest with ourselves and say, like, what actually is our mission? Like, is it just to have fun? Is it just to pass the time? Is it, I don't know, is our shared love our hatred for our boss? Like, <laughs> these things develop, and oddly enough, like, oh, that's actually why we are friends. And we have to be careful. And we have to, to sanctify those relationships and come to actually be pursuing God and his glory together. It's not easy to do. And it's not going to happen naturally. It's not going to happen just by chance. I think one, one helpful diagnostic question is, is, what do you end up talking about with your friends? What do you guys talk about? Do you talk about Jesus? Does, does God enter the conversation? It's really hard to do, actually. Thinking about it, I'm like, always surprised. Like, oh, like, I don't talk about Jesus with that many people. And it's pretty convicting. Um, and that takes us to, to the final point. If we're going to be friends like Jesus is, we, we have to die like Jesus did. 
We have to die like Jesus did. And that's where we have all these preferences. We have all these things that we want to join with each other about. And friendship actually helps us to, to shed a lot of those things and be about Jesus. So I think of my, my best friend. We have a lot in common. Um, but there's things that, that we have to abandon so that we can be all about Jesus. Um, we could probably talk about Pokemon for like hours. <laughs> that's the generation we grew up in. It's, it's older than you think. That's not, I'm not like 14. Um, we could talk about that for like for a long time. And we have to be like, mm, this is kind of stupid. And I'm sure you guys all agree that's probably stupid. Um, <laughs> just humbling myself before you. Um, but there's also things where like, we have to kind of shed a bit of ourselves. So like, I love like really weird food and like, yeah, yeah, we went, we got like pig kidneys and tripe the other day and it was delicious and we were so excited. Um, me and Casey share that. That was great. Uh, but I don't do that with this guy because he wouldn't eat it and he would be horrified and he just wants pizza. You know, so we get pizza. Um, in the same way, like I don't make him go to museums because he's not going to like it. He's going to hate it and be bored to death. And so like, and likewise, like he doesn't make me play soccer because I would just, it just wouldn't be that fun. I wouldn't enjoy it. He wouldn't enjoy it. So we just, we have to like shed some stuff. We have to die in our friendships. And, and thankfully we've died to enough and, and we're able to be very much about Jesus and about glorifying God. And it, it's the best relationship ever because there's a joy in pursuing Jesus together. And there's that radicalizing force that when we're actually all about Jesus, like, we push each other and force each other to, to think about our lives and our purpose and our mission, how we can obey God and, and rejoice in him more. That we, we would die to all of that other junk and make ourselves all about Jesus Christ and the mission. And that's why I'd encourage you that Friendships about Jesus, centered on nothing but Jesus, they're the best. They're better. Because they're actually connected to like the real purpose of our lives. They're moving towards something eternal, something glorious, something beautiful, something that will last forever. And so what, what do you do with this? What do you do with this? You guys aren't going to be able to do this. We're not very good friends. And our loves are not purified. Our loves are not sanctified. We don't actually love pursuing God that much. And we aren't all about the mission. And that's why I would encourage you, be friends with Jesus. Learn to be friends with Jesus. Let him be that radicalizing force. That you look at Jesus and you're like, okay, that's, that's what you love, Jesus? Like, oh, change me, help me. Radicalize my love for you. That's the only way we're going to be halfway decent friends. Is if Jesus has, has been our friend first and taught us how to be friends who are ready to sacrifice and die to ourselves. And to love the mission and the loves of Jesus. So this whole series we're going to be talking about different relationships and 
how they embody this friendship with Jesus. So we'll be talking about that all summer um, and it'll be a joy. All right, let's pray. Father, we are humbled by your love. We think of the fact that you are our father. We think of the fact that, that Christ is our husband and we add yet another layer that you are a friend. I ask that that would uh, draw us to, to awe and to worship, that it is that amazing. And Father, would you shape our hearts that we would love the things that you love, that we would be on mission as you are on mission. And Father, would you use this friendship to push us to reaching others? Sanctify our friendships. Make them all about Jesus. And use our friendships uh, with one another to testify about you and with those who don't yet know you to embody the, the love that Christ has for them. Father, use our friendships so we may reach others. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.